Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. Welcome to The Ray Taylor Show, where I bring you the reviews on the latest movies and TV shows, as well as classic and foreign films. I'm your host, Ray Taylor, and on this podcast, I'll be talking about all things film and television. Whether you're looking for a new show to binge or want to know if that blockbuster is worth the trip to the theater or just want to hear my thoughts on a classic or foreign film, I've got you covered. So join me every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for new episodes and let's dive into the world of film and television together. On this episode, I am talking about John Wick Chapter 2. Last week was a review of the first John Wick movie. Next week will be john wick 3 parabellum but this week it is john wick chapter 2 came out in 2017 directed by chad uh stahelski stahelski written by Derek kolstad starring of course keanu reeve uh reeves keanu reeves uh ricardo Scamarchio, Ian McShane, Ruby Rose, Common, uh, Lance Reddick, Lawrence Fishburne, and John Leguizamo, of course. So many great people in this movie. In these movies, I should say. After returning to the criminal underworld to repay a debt, John Wick discovers that a large bounty has been put on his life. I would say that's an accurate, that's a, a solid, solid plot summary of this of this movie. Overall, while the first film was a great revenge film with uh, kind of this assassin world in the background, this movie definitely dives headfirst into that whole assassin subculture that was only really kind of hinted at in the first movie. Uh definitely more great action in this movie fighting gunplay it's bigger higher body count i would imagine i didn't actually do body count but i i assume uh, multiple kind of main villains with even more kind of random assassins trying to go over after uh john wick uh, it opens the world up makes this whole world even bigger even more beautiful locations uh, definitely a great next chapter in this overarching story that clearly is leading to a third chapter. Like, whereas John Wick, thankfully, didn't end with the first movie, but was a great self-contained first movie. This movie, I would say, doesn't necessarily require that you watch the first movie but also doesn't end in a place where, okay, this could be the end of the story, right? It really is that kind of bridge from one movie to the next while still being a great movie within itself. Uh, I'm mostly going to be, this is mostly going to be spoilers, but I do want to talk about aspects of the movie before getting into spoilers. This movie opens... uh, in a world, right? This is a. This opens up the 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 world of John Wick, a lot more. 
right? We see more rules. We get we understand more rules of this assassin society. We get to see more of the continental. There are more continental hotels uh, in the world, uh, in other countries. Uh, we go international in this one. More businesses that are related to the world. Right. There are other things that facilitate the, the needs of these assassins. Right. This movie starts with great action. Right. Then takes kind of great action set piece to really get it going, really get the adrenaline going, almost taking place just after the end of the first John Wick movie. And then it kind of slows down to set up a lot of this world before the action starts again. And then once the action starts again, um, it really is just another nonstop roller coaster uh, of John Wick just killing a bunch of people. But there is a lot of kind of preparation that goes into not only setting up the world for the audience, but also preparation for John Wick to survive the last at the end of this movie the second half of this movie right you hear about the high table that exists which seems to be some cabal of people in charge of the assassin underworld uh, we see but only spoken about we don't really see all of the moving parts of that we see many of the services as i said uh, available to the assassins through the continental kind of membership that you have as an assassin like i said international a lot of fun locations visually absolutely gorgeous uh these locations that these events are taking place that these action scenes like definitely a a amazing contrast from beautiful absolutely beautiful gorgeous surroundings uh, while the most grotesque, not grotesque, but the, the most violent uh, types of murder are going on, violent types of actions are happening within these absolutely gorgeous surroundings. So kind of a great contrast in that beauty and, and evil and, you know, vengeance. Uh, we're introduced to a, kind of another subgroup of either assassins, possibly outcasts. I don't, I don't know if the, exactly how they play into everything, but they, there's definitely another group of people, which we also get the Matrix reunion, a bit of a Matrix reunion in, in that moment as well. Uh, and in the first movie, the question was if John Wick was back. And... We got the answer for that first movie that, yeah, John Wick is back. In this movie, it's kind of about how deep is John willing to go now that he's back. So I do want to get into spoilers. Uh, this is a great movie. Um, I have thoughts on specifics. So spoilers, I, I would imagine this came out in 2017. If you haven't watched John Wick, first off, you don't want to start with John Wick 2. Highly recommend just watching one. It leads you into two. Because two starts with, I mean, one was all about getting revenge for what this kid did to, the son of this mob guy, Vigo, did to John's dog and his car. 
and he kind of got vengeance, but he, his car is still out there. So this one kind of ties up that loose end in the beginning of this movie. So I do want to talk about spoilers. So spoilers. So as I said, end of the last movie is John stitching himself up at like a veterinary's office or a kennel of some sorts and getting his new dog and them walking away into the sunrise. This one opens kind of ambiguous. You don't really know who is who necessarily, but it's a great action sequence with this motorcycle guy on a motorcycle being chased by a classic muscle car. I assume John Wick is in the classic muscle car. Motorcycle crashes into the side of the car, right? It's this great chase through a city. And the, the car cuts the motorcycle off. Motorcycle crashes inside the side of the car. Guy gets out of the car, pulls this golden plate with some inscription on it out of the guy, the motorcycle guy's jacket. We never see who any of these people are. Cut to a guy, Abram, we find out is Vigo's brother, right? Clearly trying to get his stuff transferred and moved so that john wick doesn't do to his money and valuables that he did to his brother's stuff uh torching it all in the first movie so you see drugs and gold and and everything kind of being hidden in new ways and transferred and we find out that john's car is in the possession of abram and you kind of get a recap for anybody that may not have seen the first movie. Kind of a recap of who John Wick is as Abram is telling his assistant why he's doing all of this stuff. Right? Telling him about who John is. And as he's telling his assistant who John is, we're seeing this shadowed figure that we still haven't seen yet taking out all of Abram's people. Right? Tells him, tells his assistant the story about killing three men with a pencil. And the assistant's, yeah, yeah, everybody's heard of that story, right? And you have John killing people. Finally, as Abram finishes explaining who John is, we finally see John Wick come out of the shadows, who has been killing people in the shadows, revealing that, yes, it has been John Wick. And he's there to get his car. He gets his car, and then car totally is getting fucked up as he's trying to get out of this warehouse. Taking out a motorcycle guy, you know, opens the door up and hits the brakes. Motorcycle guy runs in the door, tearing the door off, but flying, you know, gets the motorcycle guy using it. Using the car, I think they refer to it as car foo in the, the making of this movie where he uses his car to spin 180 degrees to, like, whack a guy into a support beam. Then you have this scene where, because the door is removed, of course, John's not wearing a seatbelt. He's got to get in and out. He's an assassin. He's got things to do. He's got to be nimble. He can't be tied into this car. But the door's not there, so the car gets hit. And because of science... It just, it's like pulling the, the tablecloth out from under a table full of dishes. Like, all the dishes just fall back on the table. John just falls on the ground as the car gets hit out. From, it's a great scene. I mean, it's part of a great overall set piece. 
with this fight, him trying to get his car out, and his car is just getting destroyed in this fight. And you have Abram in his office just kind of listening to... He knows what's happening, but listening in his office, just hearing people dying, tires screeching, things running into things. Finally, John gets to his office, pours a drink, and calls for peace. He's like, I came here. You know what I came here for. I came here for my car. If you just gave me my car, none of this stuff would have happened. So he, he calls a, a truce. And Abram's like, is it really a truce? Like, really, you think you can just come back into the game? And then now that you're done, you can just go back out? Which, obviously, not what's happening. But he drives off in his fucked up car. And for John, he thinks it's done. Right? He killed Vigo and his son, his piece of shit son in the first movie. Now he got his car back, right? He got revenge for what they did. Right? He just wants to go back to being retired, living his life, mourning the death of his wife, which has just happened. And we find out it's seemingly like this these events are just after the end of the last movie. Maybe he healed up, but when he goes back home, goes to, down to the basement, like it's still the rubble from when he broke all of his gear out from the basement floor. And it's him trying to put, he's putting that all back in the, the chest that's under his basement floor, sealing it up with fresh cement. And before the cement even dries, somebody shows up, right? Right when you think you're out, they pull you right back in. But before that, he sends his car off. Liguizamo, the, the mechanic, shows up. And he's like, do whatever you got to do. Fix this car up. Let me know how much. Right? So he leaves. And then after he leaves, then somebody else shows up. And we find out more rules of this world. The rule of the marker. And what the marker is, seemingly, is a few things. It's, there's represented as, like, this thing that looks like a very decorative coin, right? About the size of a coaster. But it's also kind of a locket because it opens up, we see. Not only opens up like a locket, but there's a little spike that pokes out the top. And inside is a place for two thumbprints, right? You, you poke your thumb on the, the spike, and then you put, and that's a marker, what that marker is is like an IOU, right? I do you this favor. I do this thing for you. One day I come back with this marker. You do you repay that favor. And there's this guy who did a favor for John. Helped him, seemingly helped him retire. And he's coming back. Heard John's back. Comes back to have John repay this marker. And John's like, I'm not doing that. I'm out. I'm retired. I got my car back, kind of. I got a new dog back. Let me just stay retired. But this guy's like, we'll see about that. Goes outside and then blows up his house. Very, very like over. That's a big step to take. And probably the most unrealistic, unbelievable part of this movie. But thankful that it happened. Somehow the dog survives. Which I'm glad. 
we've already had one dog die. He just got this dog. He doesn't even have like the emotional response to this dog like he did the first adorable beagle. But thankfully, the this dog survives as this house gets just blown up. Let's take a quick break from this episode to talk about attention, attention all Ray, Ray Taylor, Taylor Show, Show fans. fans. We're excited to announce we've just released a line of exclusive merchandise featuring original artwork inspired by the show. Our high quality shirts and biodegradable phone cases are a perfect way to show your support for the show and make a great gift for any fan. Plus, with each purchase, you'll be helping us continue to bring you great content. So don't wait. Head on over to InspireDisorder.com now and check out the full collection. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll show your support by grabbing some Ray Taylor Show merchandise today. And now, let's get back to the show. And of course, the same cop shows up that showed up at the beginning of the first movie when John took out everybody that when they're trying to finish the job and that same cop shows up and goes to John. He's like, so gas leak, right? Like this is what the official story is going to be. He's like, yeah. And then he asks again, again, if John is back. Fun moment. It would be cool to just be that actor. Like that's your job is just to come in at the beginning of a John Wick movie and have this one little interaction with Keanu Reeves as this cop that's like so this is what we're gonna do it's like okay this is what we're, this is the official okay this is the official story and then that's it and that's like ah and then he could say go around i'm in john wick and i survive i'm one of the very few people that survive is one of the very few people that ha is carrying a gun that survives in a john wick movie right those are two things that sound very impressive until you see what the character is and he's like oh you're the cop still funny so John goes after this, John goes to the Continental, right, with his dog to talk to the manager, the the uh, head guy, Charon, looks after his dog while he goes to talk to uh, the manager. And there's two rules now we have, right? There's, goes to talk to uh, Winston, I think his name is, yeah. And the first rule we know, no blood on the continental grounds, right? Can't do that. And every marker must be honored. Two rules that we know so far. And if he dishonors the marker, then he dies. If he kills the holder of the marker, he dies. And if he runs, he dies. Right? But fulfilling the marker makes him a mark. He might die as well. So as John leaves, Charon offers to watch his dogs. They don't board dogs, but he volunteers to watch the dog. Dog still has no name. I mean, he just got the dog seemingly a night ago. I don't know how long it's been since the first movie, but not long. So still no name for this dog. And the dog's not really in this movie much, which is fine. So the marker is for this guy, Santino D'Antonio. And the job is for him to kill his sister. So John's like, okay, I got to take this. This is the marker. This is what I got to do. I got to kill this guy's sister. And then I will be free 
in theory. Of course, John's stuff got blown up. So he goes to this place. It's like jeweler run by Hasidic Jews. I don't know if they're Hasidic Jews, but they had the, the things and the curlies on their hair and everything. Goes and they have like this safe deposit space, like this caged room where he has like this suitcase. And it's kind of like his go bag. There's like clothes, a, one handgun, a passport, some gold coins. And he's not stoked about this job, but he's like, okay, I got it. This is, I got to do this. This is my, I got to do this. And then I could be gone, hopefully. He goes, flies to Rome. That's where this guy's sister is. Uh, goes, there's another continental in Rome. And the owner in that continental kind of looks like Winston, which is fun. <laughs> you know, kind of, it definitely makes you understand, at least I assume that's the manager. It makes me under, understand who he's talking to. And it would also be funny if, if like, there's continentals in every country or whatever, if they all kind of looked like Winston would just kind of be a funny gag or whatever. But this owner makes sure that John's not in Rome to kill the Pope, which he's not. So he's, he's fine with that, which, you know, probably would, to end Catholicism, just young children around the world would breathe a sigh of relief knowing that that organization isn't going to be responsible for doing some of the most evil things to them. But that's not what he's there for. And then you see this great moment where we see all of the different, like, affiliates that are kind of part of your continental membership. Where he's going to get weapons, a new suit, like this sommelier of weapons, which the writing of that is, is great of him. You know, I need something robust and, like, what about dessert and all this stuff. Uh, the suit's great, bulletproof suit. Uh, the schematics for this, this, these ruins or whatever where she's located, right? All these different services that are part of the continental membership and also serve businesses that look like they've been around for hundreds of years, like mom and pop things that have been handed down through the generations. They have this, this very like antique aged feel to them. And so does the organization in general. But I love that whole introduction to those things. A great kind of like suit up montage. And of course, she's in some subterranean club because you can't have a Keanu Reeves movie without dark electronic music with people and violence. It's just like it's a it's part of whether it's the Matrix or this movie or even Blade. You know, you got to have some like dark club in a weird location. And we find out Common is her bodyguard. Who's, his name is Cassian. And all of this planning that he does, right? Setting up, seeing him placing the guns and everything. You see how effortless it is for him to get to Santino's sister, right? In this massive bathroom, right? That's ridiculous, like something you would see in Game of Thrones or whatever. And she tells John that what will happen when he kills her, right? This is why my brother is killing me. He won't, he's going to take over New York when he does this. Get a seat at the high table, which we don't find out till later. And she asks what Helen, John's 
de deceased wife would think about all this trying to get under his skin and she knows there's no convincing him she did what she tried to you know trying to convince him not to do it this is what's going to happen when you do it what would your wife think about this she's like well he's going to complete it so she goes into the bath and you cuts her own wrists right she wants to go out her own way but then john still has to put a bullet in her head right probably there's some rule there and technically killing her because she's not dead yet even though she slit her wrist and she's passed out in the bathtub this gigantic bathtub like a bathroom that would be larger than most people's homes i would i wouldn't be surprised or at least apartments for sure And we also see that the all the preparation wasn't for getting in. It was for getting out alive, right? All of that prep, which is a fun twist because usually all of that preparation, the schematics, guns, placing the guns in certain places, like usually all that stuff is for getting in. And I like that in this one, it is effortless for him to get in. Like there is zero issue for him to get in. The issue starts once he kills her and they find out, right? Because not only is he running from her bodyguards, especially Common, Cassian, but also we see that he is being set up as a patsy by her brother, right? So he gets out, pushing through the crowd of this concert, just kind of killing random people but like killing them just as they reveal themselves to be like part of the bodyguards or whatever kind of a great moment and when he gets out and he's in the tunnel he kind of pats his chest and you see all of the bullets that he's caught going through that situation fall to the ground kind of uh reminiscent of the first matrix where he stops the bullets and they all fall to the ground but in a, a very different kind of a way in a grounded john wick kind of a way So this is where we see not only Cassian is after him and all her bodyguards, but also Ruby Rose's character, Ares, is also after him, who she is like the Cassian for the brother. So he is like the Patsy, which I would assume he probably thought was a possibility, right? He was expecting it. And you see how he goes in and out of these this tunnels where all these guns are set up clearing everybody out using all of the guns all the bullets great action set piece then you have john versus cassian throwing each other down these stairs right fighting struggling they end up crashing through the window of the continental and they're reminded of the rules right so they decide let's go have a drink and this John fills him in. It's this great moment where it's like, okay, we can't fight, so let's take a break. Uh, and John trying to let him know what his situation, why he did what he did. And it doesn't matter. But he tells him, right, he has this marker. Her brother has my marker and told me to kill her. So that's why I killed him. I killed her. Right? Because the brother wants a seat at the high table. And Cassian's like, well, that's great, but I'm her ward, so the rule is an eye for an eye. You killed her, now I have to kill you, 
right? So rules are forcing them into this situation. And all the while, Ares is right behind them on the couch after Cassian leaves. And she's also waiting for John, right? The brother tries to call to justify to John why he's doing what he's doing, which is like, get out of here. Like, I know what you're, I know what you're doing, right? He's, he's like, oh, trying to make an excuse, like, oh, I'm trying to. How could I not avenge my sister's death? It's like, motherfucker, we know. I know you told me to kill her. So the brother calls accounts payable. So this is another kind of interesting how they communicate in this world and how this world works. Calls accounts payable to open an account, quote unquote, which is like a contract on John for seven million. So the first movie, Vigo puts a contract on on John for a million. Now he has a seven million dollar contract. Still, both numbers kind of seem low try, when you're trying to kill, like, one of the most dangerous people in the world. One of the most successful assassins in the world. It's like paying somebody, paying somebody to beat Michael Jordan in his prime one-on-one, right? So I'm going to pay you. Not that the monetary value is going to make it more likely. They could pay them $100 million and... They're still going to try and go for it. Although in a basketball game, all you lose is a bit of ego. But uh, losing against John Wick means uh, you you lost at life, quite literally. And I love how definitely kind of patriarchal, but all the women that work in this, the behind the scenes, the logistics of everything, they're all like in kind of like this 50s, look but all have tattoos and everything is very tactile very analog they have typewriters writing typing out on paper rolling up the paper putting in these these tubes to shoot the the paperwork and then even when they do have any kind of electronics they are like old 1980s computer it's very basic but i love the i love the aesthetic of it And when they put it in the computer, it ends up texting all the people who this contract is open for. And then back at the American Continental in the lobby, you see everyone's phones blow up, right? You see uh, the dude, uh, Cheron, at the front desk and everybody in the lobby. All their phones are blowing up seeing this contract on John Wick. And Ares apologizes to uh, the brother for not getting him first, right? Sorry, sorry you had to open this contract and I wasn't able to get him. And the manager of the Continental makes sure that the brother who's there knows, or fills out in this giant book that John completed his mark. And he's trying to make excuses why he doesn't need to. It's like, listen, he's going to be dead. What's the big point? Right, he's trying to cover his tracks to make it look like he didn't just set John up to be the patsy. Like trying to pretend that he the his sister isn't dead because directly because of him. He's trying to put it all on, on John. And the manager knows what he's trying to do, so he's like, Winston's like, you need to put your thumbprint on in the little medallion thing and in this book. 
You need the paper. We need a paper trail that John did what he was doing, and that is separate from this contract that you're putting out on him. And he reminds him that he, you burnt down John's house. Like you know how this guy responds to people taking things away from him. And now he's free. He did the marker. He, you don't technically have anything on him. So the fact that he might come at you for burning down his house, that's on you. But he opens up the locket, does the thing. Let's take a quick break from this episode because I want to promote. Are you looking for a way to take your love of the Ray Taylor show to the next level? Look no further than Inspire Disorder Plus. As a member, you'll get access to a whole host of amazing perks, including the full week of shows, ad-free in both audio and video versions, a live painting archive, early access to the many faces, members-only discounts and deals, a podcast back catalog with over 600 episodes. But that's not all. As a member, you'll You'll get access to my personal blog as well as my creative writing. You'll also get the chance to ask me anything you want. With all of these benefits and more, Inspire Disorder Plus is a must-have for any fan of The Ray Taylor Show. So don't wait. Go sign up now. Head on over to InspireDisorder.com plus and start enjoying all of the amazing perks of the membership. And now, let's get back to the show. You have the... Random after this contract going out, random people in New York attacking John. There's like this montage of attacks, which is kind of great. You don't see montages of attacks of all these different interactions, these different fights John is doing. One of which John kills two guys with a pencil, which is great, which I'm sure is why they brought up the pencil thing at the beginning. It's like, remember that pencil story from the first movie? Well, we're going to see how John would kill people with a pencil. Pretty great. Then he sees Cassian again in New York. And there's this kind of this great moment where they're shooting through a fountain, which is, I don't know, it's like I'm surprised. I mean, this is where the aspect of John never missing a mark when he fires a gun kind of goes out the window. Not only shooting blindly through this fountain where there's tons of people around it. But then they like they're like discreetly walking through like this subway area. One Cassian's up on top and John's on the bottom and they're both like shooting and just missing each other. Like they're both missing every shot, which is kind of it's a funny scene, but also throws out the window the whole, you know, every shot finds its mark type of a thing. You have uh, them both get on a subway where there's people on the subway and they slowly get closer and closer and they end up having this night fight, which is great. And John, right, before when they were having their drink, Cassian mentions that I'm going to, when I kill you, I'm going to make it painless as a personal professional courtesy. And John, in this subway knife fight, stabs Cassian specifically in his aorta and tells him, you have to keep the knife in there because if you take it out, you'll die. So you need to go to a hospital with this knife in you, and you can survive. But you're out of this fight. So as a personal courtesy, I'm going to allow you to leave, but you can no longer. You're done. You're out. Which I think is great. 
right? Kind of turning that professional courtesy. He gets out. You see janitors after him. Then you see this homeless guy sitting on the road that John comes by, puts a, one of the gold coins in his thing and says, like, you need to take me to so-and-so. Homeless guy helps him, kills the two things. And this is where we're introduced to the homeless assassins, which is like, what is going on? Seemingly outside of the high table assassins, possibly. They seem like outcasts. So they're either a different faction within the high table, but it doesn't seem, it seems like they're outside. Either way, John ends up getting patched up, IV'd. You see them putting SIM cards in little pouches for these these uh, pigeons on the roof, right? Carrier pigeons instead of carrying notes, they're carrying SIM cards or, or micro SD cards. I don't know, one of one or the other. And we get the great Matrix reunion of Morpheus as the homeless king, right? We have, uh, <clears throat> God, what's his face? Lawrence Fishburne as the homeless king. And he te women John killed was part of the high table. John offers to kill the brother, right? This is his offer to the homeless king, Lawrence Fishburne, Morpheus. Listen, man, if you help me out, I'll kill the brother, right? And the reason why this is potentially beneficial to the homeless king is that he has a portion of New York under his control. And the brother is going to be the new guy in charge of New York and is going to be pushing into his territory. So to keep him from pushing into your territory, which would potentially cause you to kill him, thus putting the high table heat on you, let John take him out. If you help John, he will take him out for you and take all of that heat. And he's like, okay, I'll help you, but he only gives him a gun with seven bullets. He's like, $7 million contract, you only get seven bullets, right? But it's like, he's, he, that's all John needs. He doesn't need much, right? He's like MacGyver with bubble gum and a paperclip. Doesn't need much. And then you have this, uh, the, this, this end fight scene that takes place in this museum. So you have gorgeous artwork, mirrors, bright, colorful lights, all of these things while John is just laying waste to everybody as he tries to get to this brother. Right? And he only has seven rounds to start with, but instantly, when he gets there, is able to use all seven and just take the guns from the people that he killed, right? So instantly he starts getting more ammunition. And it's great amongst all this museum art, sculptures, all this stuff, video rooms with mirrors, right? Absolutely beautiful. And I have no idea, especially in the mirror scenes, I'm like watching this, I'm like, how are they filming this without the camera and all of the crew being in all of these reflections. Because it's like, th there is like, they're just surrounded by mirrors. I'm sure there's a special feature that goes through how they did that. And I'm sure it's just, you know, digitally erasing everything. But it's still amazing. It's, it's, it's impressive seeing this. Just how it's filmed in this place with mirrors. And you have Ares there 
staying. She wants to finish John, but she ends up getting stabbed in her, with her own knife. Dantino goes to the Continental like a, like a spoiled brat that knows he's going to lose, so he goes to the safe place. I'm going to go to the Continental where you can't get me na 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 right? That's, he goes to the Continental... Right, trying to get the manager to revoke John's membership. It's like you can't let him in here. You can't let him in here, Winston. You got to revoke it, right? And Winston's like, John hasn't broken any of my rules. You whiny little prick, right? So D'Antonio, right? His authority, no, no sway with Winston. No help. John, of course, knows. Finds him in the lounge, and the manager. Trying to remind John what that first rule is. No blood on continental grounds. Just trying to get John to just walk away. But without hesitation. Just like when he killed the, the son in the first movie. Without hesitation, John breaks the rule. And just killing. Not only breaking the rule of the continental. Which punishable by death as we saw in the first film. But also killing another member of the high table right he's already in hot water because he killed the sister brother took over for the sister which seemingly was that's what the thing was at the gallery it's him celebrating that he's the new at the seat at the high table so he's killed two members of the high table so john leaves his dog taken care of right uh, goes back to the charred remains of his house with his dog. Seemingly, he's like, I, I'm sure he knows that shit is about to go down, right? Just not yet, right? There's going to be some professional courtesy going on. Knowing who John is, understanding that he, you know, broke these rules and he's going to receive punishment for it, but it's going to, they're going to, Give him the heads up. At least people that are in between making the decisions. So it goes back to the charred rem char remains of his house. Charon shows up, right, to take John to see Winston. And the contract is now doubled, so $14 million, and the contract is international, right, because he broke these rules. So now he knows the bounty he knows that he's not safe anywhere. It's not just a U.S. contract anymore. This thing's international. Anybody and everybody could be after him. He's excommunicado. And all services offered by the Continental no longer available to him. Right? So no sommelier getting the dessert knife ready. No suit maker giving the special bulletproof lining in his jacket. No schematics of ancient ruins. None of that. No haircut. No, no safe place. There's no place he can go where it's off bounds for him to be killed. But Winston does give him an hour. And then gives him a marker. I don't know if the marker that he gave him was the completed marker from D'Antonio. Or if it's a marker for him doing John this favor. So inside that marker, I'm not sure if there's two thumbprints or one. And I would assume if it was one, it should be just his. 
Um, what I assume is that that is the marker from the the marker that he completed, right? Here is the proof that you completed that marker that can hopefully like explain how you got in this situation, right? And John tells him is like, I don't care who it is, whoever it is, I'm going to kill them, right? Obviously. Like I'm not going to die, dude. I'm just going to I'm just going to I'm going to survive. You know what I can do, obviously. There's uh, he's got respect for a reason. Like Michael Jordan by all accounts was not the greatest person kind of an asshole but he was also the best basketball player to ever live so you can kind of get away with some stuff you have there's a level of respect in some situations and as he leaves you see like this is where it's like oh shit right you see the severity of shit that john wick is in when he leaves and everybody in the park Every single person, first off, when he meets with Winston, all the people around them, it was almost like a Matrix scene where he gets distracted looking at the woman in the red dress and everybody freezes. It's similar to where all of the people in this square where he meets Winston are all part of it. And he tells them to, like, they all stop to show Wick. It's like, listen, you're surrounded by people that are ready to go. And as he leaves, you see that as people start eyeballing him, everybody, including the homeless people, everybody, women with their kids, just every single person in the park is is a, an assassin, which is crazy. But shows like, oh, he, this is this is everybody. So he starts running away with his dog, and that's how this one ends. Like the first one, he's walking away with his dog. This one, he's like, I got to get out of here. Like, I can't. There's no walking right now. I'm not. There's no explosion going on behind me, which would require a walk. This is a run situation where everybody has 60 minutes before they. I'm a. I'm a 14 million dollar lottery ticket. Would you think somebody people would just be? It would turn into like Forrest Gump, where they're all like running behind him, watching their clocks. Five, four, three, two and just all shoot at the same time great end to this movie uh you know the first movie a revenge film this movie starts as john kind of repaying a debt and turns into a survival film from the moment he killed the mark and got the marker done it's just him surviving which john surviving means just uh, endless body count but he fulfills the marker, uh, killing the sister, set in motion this situation that can only end if John is dead, seemingly. There's no out for him. But maybe there is. And of course, John wants to live, so that means everybody must die. So each film, he's like going to battle against larger and larger organizations, larger armies. Uh, and it's just like, it's crazy. It's crazy, right? First film, just kind of this one family, not seemingly not part of the high table. Then you have the, in this movie, 
two armies of the brother and sister, the sister being a member of the, the high table, so going, killing somebody in a high place. And then now the next film uh, just has to survive the entire organization. And I love the antique feel of everything, all these businesses that he's no longer allowed to use, all these services that are offered. The record keeper women love the aesthetic of all that. Everything looks like it was set up hundreds of years ago, handed down like old family businesses. And I love rewatching these films for doing this show because it forces me to watch them and pay attention to them more so than I ever have before. Because there are a lot of details in this movie, in this movie specifically, more so than the first one. So, and I'm taking notes. So seeing, like, keeping track of all the rules, keeping track of all the chess pieces, all that stuff, I, I really enjoyed watching these with a little bit more detail. Which casually can make it kind of confusing if you're just casually watching these movies. Especially this movie where it's like, wait, who's part of the high table? What is this homeless guy? Like... Anyway, I, I like that I've been watching it these ways. I'm excited to watch the next movie again, which I've seen already. It's been, I, th I don't know how many times, seen it in theaters. Probably watched it again. Uh, excited to rewatch that one. And super excited to watch John Wick 4 uh, the week after. So looking forward to both of those reviews coming up. Uh, in the next two weeks. But I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this episode of The Ray Taylor Show. I hope you enjoyed my thoughts on John Wick Chapter 2. Don't forget to tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for new movie and TV show reviews. And join the conversation by leaving a comment or rating on your favorite podcast platform or over on YouTube.com slash Inspired Disorder if you are watching these along with all the other episodes that have video versions. But until next time... Enjoy the show. Subscribe to The Ray Taylor Show on YouTube and everywhere podcasts are found. Binge the full week ad-free over at inspireddisorder.com slash plus. Purchase Ray Taylor Show merch over at inspireddisorder.com. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Peace out. Today is the day where you wake up and you realize that everything that you've been dreaming about, everything that you've been wanting, every goal and wish and hope that you've ever had, can become real. Dreams can come true. What you manifest in your mind, you can bring to reality.